Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Once a month we focus on spiritual gifts or the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And tonight I want to talk to you for a little while about the language of dreams. Would you open your Bibles please to Acts chapter 2? We're going to look at the subject of dreams for a little bit tonight. Because you know... Everybody dreams. I know some people say they don't. But it's very common to dream. I want us to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, there's a lot of us have have heard and believe that we're in the last days. And if some people, they look at, well, there's, there's wars and rumors of wars and nations rising against nations as evidence that we're in the last days. But, you know, another evidence that we're in the last days is renewed interest in spirituality. Have you all noticed in the last several years, spirituality has become vogue? Now, you know, you've got people, you walk into the bookstore, and now you've got all kinds of choices on spiritual topics, and not from Christian authors, but even from the business arena, right? And there's all kinds of an emphasis upon angels, upon dreams, upon all kinds, some of it's really flaky and weird, but there's a lot of interest. And, you know, back, you know, many years ago, people just didn't care that much. They just weren't that involved. And now we're living in a time when people are really starting to look into the things of the Spirit and they want to know what the truth is. So the Lord says here, in the last days, He's going to pour out His Spirit on all mankind. doesn't even say all Christians. But He says His Spirit's going to be poured out on all mankind. That means God is doing a work of stirring people up spiritually to call attention to the realm of the Spirit. And He says that young men are going to have visions, Old men are going to have dreams. People, sons and daughters are going to prophesy. So that means there's going to be a lot of spiritual activity going on. Now, of course, old men can have visions and young men can have dreams. It's not exclusive here. It's just saying that there's going to be a lot of spiritual activity going on. So for you and me, this is a great time to get involved. This is a great time because God is pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. There are some... There are some environments God has created where it's actually easier to flow in the supernatural than it is not to. You get into what, because it's a move of God. It's something that God is doing on the earth right now. And we also find there are so many people who are hungry for the things of God. You know, there's a lot of people who have left traditional church because they can't find the supernatural. You know what? There's a place inside of each one of us that is hungry for the supernatural. Even when I was a little tiny kid and didn't know anything about spiritual, uh, the supernatural, I was always hungry for it. And I believe that as you look and you see all the renewed interest, it's just people who are looking. So I don't get nervous about people checking out New Age stuff. It shows me they're hungry. It means they're looking for something. You know what? There's a lot of people who wound up in right smack in the middle of the prophetic move of God who started out looking at New Age stuff because they couldn't find it in the environment they were in. And the Holy Spirit began to lead them into all truth. The Holy Spirit led me out of New Age into the things of God. Isn't he good? Aren't you glad for that? You know, people who are hungry for God, if you are hungry for God, he will get you what you need. He will get you to that place of truth. So there's a lot of people 
they're looking for spiritual experiences, but they're looking for them outside the church. They're looking for them. They're going to the tarot card reader. And they're going to the uh, astrologer. And they're going to the psychics. And they got the little TV shows and the call-in 900 numbers. And there's a lot of people who are interested in that stuff. And unfortunately, many people are not going to the church for the answers that they're looking for. You know, what are they doing? Instead of going to God's prophets or to God's men and women, they want to know things, you know, what's the will of God? What will I do about my situation? They call out Dion Warwick's friends or somebody, you know, or Madam Chloe or whatever her name was that used to be on TV a while back. I think she got busted or something, didn't she? Cleo, I'm sorry. The one with a fake accent. That's what I remember. <laughs> fake accent, fake gift. Okay. Um, <laughs> but... You know, for all of the activity that's going on out there, you know, the devil's only a counterfeiter. He doesn't make anything up. The realm of the supernatural belongs to the church. God's the inventor of supernatural things, right? It all starts here. So what you watch and you see on TV, it's people hungry, but they're looking for the wrong places is what they're doing. The Bible says in Isaiah 8, verse 19, it's it's an important scripture that everybody should know because of the time that we're living in. Isaiah 8, verse 19. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? When people are saying, you want to know something? Call my psychic, call my astrologer, call my tarot card reader. God says, instead of looking at mediums and spiritists, how come you don't ask him? How come we don't go to God first? Well, problem is because a lot of people have not had an understanding in the Christian community about the spirit realm. There's not been a lot of good teaching about it, and there's been a lot of misinformation out there in the spirit realm. So you have a lot of people who don't know what they're doing. So unfortunately, and many times, you find actual Christians going to psychics and going to mediums. God, that's, guys, that's terrible. You know, and it's a travesty. And when you think about what's happening, that you couldn't find your answer from God inside the church and felt like you had to go outside. Folks, we got to change that. We've got to change that perception. And that means that you and I have got to learn to be spiritual men and women and boys and girls. We've got to learn to interact and be as comfortable in the spirit realm, the supernatural realm, as we are in the natural realm. Because we've got to be just like Jesus, all, all natural, but all spiritual. <laughs> right? I mean, he's, he was, Jesus was not flaky and weird, right? Spiritual does not mean flaky and weird. It means normal. Thank you. Yes. Spiritual does not mean weird. Uh, there are people that think they're very spiritual because they act funny. They get funny way of talking. They get funny body jerks and all kinds of stuff, and that's supposed to be spiritual. Folks, that's just weird. Okay? <laughs> And I'm all about getting you out of weirdness, but get you into genuine spirituality. The spirit that, you're, that dwells on the inside of you has free communication with God and is able to function as God designed for it to be. God's the author of all spiritual reality. So just because that there are some new age people, some psychics and mediums out there doing some kind of stuff, that doesn't mean that we should back off. You know, sometimes that's what people do. They say, well, I don't want to be associated. I don't want people to think I'm weird, so I'll just back off. No, what you need to do is determine what the accurate is and walk in the accurate, you know. Now, on the subject of dreams, 
Do you know that you can go online, you can go to the bookstore, and you can pick up any number of books written by New Agers on the subject of dream interpretation? All right. You can go to a psychologist, and they'll want to know, what are your dreams? Does it mean you love your mother? Does it mean this is a part of your personality, you know? And, you know, there are psychologists will recognize the importance of dreams. Occultists will recognize the importance of dreams. And how is it so many Christians, they don't think they're important at all. Oh, that's just that pizza I had last night. Oh, it doesn't really mean anything. It was just a dream. Folks, if you do an honest search in the Bible, you will find a lot of examples of God-given dreams and interpretations. And this is a realm, this is part of our inheritance as believers. We should be people who know our God, who know the scriptures, and have supernatural experiences so that just like Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal, we have within our makeup the ability to stand toe-to-toe and bring truth to people who are out there confused looking in the wrong direction, right? So what are you going to do? I love New Agers. They're hungry for God. I love them. I'd rather deal with a New Ager than an atheist any day of the week. It's true because the New Ager is already halfway there. Right. They just got to get a little adjustment, but they'll get there, right? So you've got, you've got your people who believe in dreams, who believe in visions, who believe in the supernatural. Folks, we need to be able to interpret their dreams. We need to be able to tell them what God says and be able to bring life to those things. Because God, the Bible teaches in Job 33, God will give dreams to men to, to impart his purpose into their life. God will give dreams that will cause people to say, i got to find out what that means. It's a great evangelism tool. All right. Our spiritual inheritance includes being spiritually minded. That means that we need to be well-versed in the doctrines of Scripture. Absolutely. But we also need to be well-versed in the things of the supernatural. When you take the Ministry and Spiritual Gifts Seminar, if you haven't taken that yet, one of the lessons that we teach there is that the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. The word ignorant means to have no working knowledge of. There are many people who can quote, who can identify the gifts of the Spirit. There's prophecy, there's tongues, there's word of knowledge, there's word of wisdom, there's healings, etc. They can list them all, but they've never seen them in operation, and they've never done anything with them themselves. The Bible calls those people ignorant. Ignorant's not a bad thing, it just identifies you, right? Say, okay, I know these things are out there, but I don't have a working knowledge, you know? It's like, for example, uh, Sarah has a little baby girl here, her first little baby. She'd heard about being pregnant. She'd read books about being pregnant and all about labor and delivery. But until she actually went through it, she was ignorant of what the process was, right? Same thing happens. You pick up a driver's, a driver's ed textbook, right? A driver's manual. You read all in there about how the car works, what the stop sign's for, how to put it in gear. You read all that stuff. But until you get behind the wheel and turn the ignition and put it in gear, you really don't know what you're talking about. How many of you remember the first time you got behind the wheel? Oh, yeah. Big difference, wasn't it? Big difference. You know, jerking like this, not driving too... And particularly if you had straight shift. Yeah. Probably stalled on you three times, right? <laughs> so we want to be people that don't just have a head knowledge of these things, but people who have a working, practical experience knowledge of these things. So in our society, there, has, there is some... In Western society, for the most part, people have not put much stock in dreams. The occasional psychologist does, the occasional New Ager does, but in Western society... 
How many of you know, you wake up in the morning, you tell your family, oh, I had this dream last night. They go, that's just a dream. They don't believe there's anything important to it, right? But now in the last several years that there has been more prophetic activity going on in the body of Christ, more revelation, more prophecy, people have begun to pay more attention to dreams than they ever had before. And now people are starting to sit up and take notice and say, well, maybe that wasn't my pizza last night. Maybe God was trying to tell me something. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 8, the Lord speaks, and he's speaking in reference to Moses, and he says, With Moses I will speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. Dark sayings, another translation is dark speech. Dark speech is something that's not plain. It's not evident. Dark speech is something you've got to ponder. You've got to meditate on and figure out. Riddles, puzzles, parables. It's just like, you know, God could have told Pharaoh there's going to be a famine for seven years. You're going to have seven good years, and then you're going to have seven bad years. But instead of giving him the plain, direct message, he had a dream, didn't he? He had two dreams. The seven fat cows and the seven skinny cows. The seven full grains of ear, the seven parched, uh, withered grains of ear, ears of grain. So he had, he had something that was a puzzle, that was dark speech, that did not make any sense to him. When he got up, he's like, I had this crazy dream. Somebody needs to tell me what this means. You know, God many times chooses to give the message to you that way instead of directly. And there are several reasons God does that. One is because the clear, and you need to know this principle, the more directly, the, the more direct and the more clear God's message to you is, the higher your responsibility with it. If God tells you very, very clearly, I want you, Gabriel, let's say Gabriel showed up in your house this night, comes to you and says, Joseph, take your wife and your baby and get out of town and move to Florida. Okay? Do you know the consequences are high if you disobey that kind of direct revelation? All right? On the other hand, if you think you kind of had a hunch that maybe you ought to think about moving, you're not going to be held to the same level of accountability as if God had sent an angel with a very clear message. So in some ways, it's really good to get that nice fuzzy direction, that nice vague speech, those dark speech, because if you mess it up, the stakes aren't as high. Okay? That's kind of a plus, y'all. It is. I know everybody wants to hear from God clearer. I know everybody says that. And God will sometimes speak extremely clearly to you, but other times it's kind of a, well, I think so. This is kind of my general leading. And know that if you miss it, the consequences are not going to be so bad. So everybody can relax. Whew. It was. I had a hunch. I had a thought. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Guess what? God's not going to hold you to a really high level of accountability for that. So, dark speech is something that dreams fall in the category of. Dark speech are times when God tells you something in a mystery, in a riddle, in a parable. There's a, it seems to be a play on words. It's not clear. It's something you've got to sit and figure out, hear from God, so you can understand what the message is and take, take time. It's, it's uh, parables, things that are full of symbolism. Many times you'll get a picture, you'll have a dream, you'll have a vision, and you get through and you go, I do not know what that was about. 
How many of you remember the story of Peter's vision with the sheet that was lowered from heaven? He had the vision. He's up on his, I mean, he's awake, right? He's on top of his roof. He's praying. He's getting hungry. It's about lunchtime. And he sees a vision of the sheep being lowered from heaven, had all these unclean animals in it. And the voice from heaven says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he's going, what? I am a good kosher Jewish boy. I don't eat those things. The Bible tells me not to, you know. And he has this thing three times, but he's still trying to figure out what was that about? You see, it was dark speech. And he got his answer fairly quickly. But there are sometimes you and I get something that we ponder on for days, for weeks, for months, or longer, because we're still not sure what that was all about. Okay? I mean, it happens, it happens a lot, you know? And that's fine, because the Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of man to discover it, to search it out, Right? God takes glory. You know, God likes puzzles. He likes to present you with a puzzle and you get to play detective and figure it out. See, some of y'all knew that playing detective thing was, that was in your DNA. Yeah. Hey, you're probably, you're probably going to be unlocking all kinds of revelation. You know, God loves to hide things. He plays hide and seek. Now, as you are, as you are looking at your parable, your riddle, your revelation, your dream, whatever it is, the picture you've got, one of the things you want to do to begin to understand what it means is to ask this question, why this and not that? Why this and not that? Why was it in a red sports car instead of in a blue car? Why was I wearing my pajamas at work instead of wearing my regular clothes? Why did my front teeth fall out? Is this not like any dreams anybody's ever had? Okay. Then why did my front teeth fall out? Or how come, you know, the back of my head was bald? Or how come my hair color changed? I mean, when you start asking why this and not that, let's look at Genesis chapter 37. We can begin to understand biblical imagery and also everyday metaphors. One thing so wonderful about the Bible is it's such a wonderful manual textbook. If you're interested in understanding metaphors, biblical imagery, and dream interpretation, all you got to really do is get in and dig into the Word of God because it'll tell a, it will tell you a dream and then it will tell you what it means. Isn't that great? You don't have to figure out what it means. What you do have to figure out is how he get that. Now, let me just blow, blow a, you know, pop somebody's balloon. When they interpreted dreams in the Bible, it wasn't because they had a special gift from God. There's a process to interpreting dreams, and it has to do with understanding metaphor and biblical imagery. If you study the parables of Jesus, he spoke in imagery all the time, didn't he? The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. And you begin to understand the message that's being communicated with the imagery that he puts. So you can say, let me ask you this. What does, give me, call out, give me um, a couple of different symbols for the word of God. A sword. What else? Seed. What else? Water. Anything else? Bread. Bread. Yes. What else? Teaching drop like rain. Rain. You can have a dream that it has any one of these symbols and it could mean the word of God in your life. 
Maybe you were having a dream where you were serving bread to other people. It probably doesn't mean you're opening a bakery. Okay? Symbolism. Let's look at Genesis chapter 37. Look at verse 5. The story of Joseph. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. I mean, some people do not appreciate your revelation. All right? (laughs) Verse 6. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said, Are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he didn't even tell them what it meant. Now, y'all get that? It's not snotty little kid brother saying, I'm going to rule over you. That wasn't what he did. He said, let me tell you about this dream they had. The meaning was so clear to his brothers, they were incensed. Okay? Look at the next one. Okay. Now, he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream. He didn't get it the first time. (laughs) Joseph did wise up after a while. Okay. Behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? I got news for you. The interpretation was obvious to his family. Completely obvious. Nobody had to have two thoughts, two seconds of discussion. They all with one voice, you think you're ruling over us? That's what you're telling me? It was so obvious and so clear to them. Now let's look at this dream. Let's look at the first one just a minute. The first one is they're binding sheaves. All of them together are working. But his sheaf rose up and theirs bowed down before him. Now the obvious meaning of the dream is that they're going to bow down to Joseph, Right? But we, do we understand, do you remember the, con, the surroundings that happened when his brothers actually did bow down to him? Remember, his brothers had gone down to Egypt because of what? Because of the famine. Because there was no grain where they were. So they had to go down there to get grain. God was telling him in the dream, it's going to have to do with your livelihood, grain, feeding your family. Why did God use a sheaf of wheat? I mean, these guys, we know they were shepherds. How come he didn't have all his little lambs come bow down to, you know, his little lamb? But he didn't because the, the reason that they went down, they went to Egypt was to get food for their family. And because of getting food for their family, that was the context in which they bowed down to Joseph. That makes a lot more meaning, doesn't it? You begin to understand that sometimes if you look at a dream on the first level, you see one level of interpretation. And if you look at it a little deeper, how come a sheaf of grain? How come not a ram? How come not, how come not this, not that? Then you begin to, to piece together because the sheaf of grain was a specific symbol chosen by God because of the circumstances they were going to be in. So look at the second dream. In the second dream, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars up in the heavens. The sun and the moon and 11 stars. Does the Bible tell us that the sun rules by day, the moon and the stars rule by night? This has to do with the nation of Israel's governmental position in the earth. You know, the nation of Israel was a chosen nation. 
And so it wasn't just that their family is going to bow down, but the whole nation is going to come under Joseph. See, that's a stronger meaning than just, you know, Reuben and Simeon and these guys. But the whole nation, when you begin to look at secondary meanings, why did he say the sun, the moon, and the stars? How come he didn't, just didn't show something else? You know, it could have been any, anything in the dream. So when you were looking at your own dreams, start asking yourself, well, why was it this and why was it not that? How come, you know, how come I was riding my bike uphill instead of riding my bike downhill? How many think there might be two different meanings? Of riding your bike uphill in a dream and riding your bike downhill in a dream. Okay? How come I was going outside into the sunshine or I was going inside to the, to the basement? Two different meanings of dreams. Now, let's look over at Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. You see, sometimes our dreams will have biblical imagery, but sometimes they'll have everyday metaphors you know there are some people that have dreams about angels and Jesus and fire and all these obvious spiritual you know symbols and elements but there are other people who have dreams like you know hippopotamus and you know red t-bird and golf clubs and stuff like that that you don't really find in the bible so you know just as Jesus taught parables using language that the agricultural society could understand, you know, the Holy Spirit will give us dreams based on what we understand too. You see, because if the Holy Spirit gives some of us dreams about milking cows and stuff, and you're a city kid, you don't know the first thing about that. That dream's not really going to be as effective as one that maybe has to talk about running down to 7-Eleven. <laughs> see? You see, aren't you glad Holy Spirit speaks in your language? He knows what you mean. And for those of you who have spent a lot of time doing biblical study, you'll probably have biblical elements that pop up in your dreams. More often than not, you, you dream of flying. You dream of doves. You dream of angels, warfare, all kinds of things. You know, of course, in your warfare dreams, you may have, you know, uh, you know machetes or, or Uzis and not necessarily, you know, swords and shields, you know. Yeah, warfare dreams when you're launching, you know, bazookas and all that stuff. <laughs> You know, that's imagery that makes sense to modern Americans. All right. Gideon's story in Judges 6, verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Orpha. It moved to Joash, the somebody, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. The name Gideon. Gideon means a feller, like a feller of trees, or a warrior. His name means warrior. You know, it's like, you know, what's your name mean? My name means lady. Donna is Italian for lady. Okay. Gideon's name means warrior. The first instance that we have of Gideon, what's he doing? He's beating out the wheat. He is first seeing threshing grain. See, the Bible includes a lot of these elements for many reasons. Now, let's look at Judges 7, verse 13. With that background of Gideon. 7.13 When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. And this is not even Gideon's dream, right? And he said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it, so that it fell and turned it upside down, so that the tent lay flat. 
His friend replied, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. Now, how many of y'all read that and don't get it? Okay. The guy sees a loaf of bread rolling into the tent, and this means Gideon wins. <laughs> you have to dig a little bit sometimes, okay? See, that's how when you first have a dream, sometimes you think, that don't make no sense, until you start digging a little bit. Then you can find out some amazing things. Okay, Gideon, his name is a warrior. We first see him in threshing grain. It was a loaf of barley bread. That's very specific, a loaf of barley bread. Barley was a very common, inferior kind of grain. This is not your high-dollar loaf of bread. This is the stuff that poor people eat because they can't afford anything any better. All right? So this means a loaf of barley bread is going to be something very common and inferior. You know, Gideon was not a trained soldier. He was not a commander of any army. He's just a guy out there trying to mind his own business, feed his family. Here comes Gabriel, the angel, and tells him, you're a mighty man of war. He's like, who, me? I don't think so. But you see, he was not considered a serious threat. So it's an inferior loaf. An inferior um, element is coming in. The word bread. In the Hebrew, the root word of bread means to devour. It's an implication of battle. You see, if we were all talking Hebrew, you'd all get that. Oh, loaf of bread, I'm going to eat you for lunch. <laughs> that's, the, that's the analogy, okay? So, understanding what the, the names meant, understanding what Gideon meant, and understanding what barley was, and a loaf of barley bread, okay, bread, devour, battle, that means somebody's coming who is not very highly respected, has no real battle experience, but is going to roll in the camp and knock everything upside down and we lose. That's the interpretation of the dream. You see, you think about it a little bit, it makes sense. Now it makes sense. If we spoke Hebrew, it would make perfect sense, right? Okay. There are things that God will speak to you and to me in our dreams that will make perfect sense to us because of our own background, because of what our experiences are and our understanding of colloquialism. Lots of times in the Bible, when you read over the dream or the vision, if you will spend some time with the interpretation that's given there, it will help you understand picturesque speech. There are so many examples in there. Now, some of the dreams, metaphors that you and I will have are based upon our culture. For example, we, we use a lot of slang or terms that are highly picturesque. So many times dreams are plays on words, and many times they are highly, highly exaggerated, just like a caricature. You know, like when you see in the newspaper, they got the caricature of the president. He always got these big ears, you know. Okay, it's an exaggerated, it's exaggerated to make a point. So some metaphors, how about the, the terminology, get off your high horse? What does that mean? It means don't be so proud and arrogant, doesn't it? But if you had a dream that you were up on a very high horse, maybe God's trying to tell you something. Does that make sense to you? Okay. What about metaphors like a big head? 
you have a dream of some yourself. Let's just say you dream about yourself, okay? And you got this huge head, this tiny little body. What's the message of the dream, folks? Little humility is in order, okay? How about down in the dumps? You dream you're picking to the trash down at the city landfill. Maybe this has to do with depression, feeling sad, okay? How about uh, feeling blue? You know, you see somebody who's wearing, you have a dream, and the person's wearing all blue. It may mean this person's being depressed. How about green with envy? Here come a green cat walking through your front door. Green could very possibly have to do with envy. Cats, by the way, what are cats known for? Well, the occult, sometimes black cat. But a cat, as, as a you know, we make, we know the difference between a cat and a dog, right? Uh, uh, a cat is considerably more independent than a dog. You know, they've made jokes about, you know, people have dogs, but cats have people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, because the cat rules. If you've ever had a cat, they're in charge. They don't come when you call. They come when they get when they feel like it, right? So a cat many times in dream imagery is symbolic of independent thinking. Nobody can tell them what to do. They're going to do things their own way. Green cat walking through your front door. Maybe there's some jealousy. Maybe there's some independence, some rebellion, something that's coming right into your life. Maybe it's an attitude that's creeping into you that God wants you to get rid of. Okay? All symbolism. How about symbols like a bull in a china shop? If you dream of a bull in a china shop, it probably means there's some kind of reckless activity going on, right? Okay. What about snake in the grass? What is snake in the grass? People all the time dream about snakes. You ever had a dream about snakes, right? Snakes are very common in people's dreams. What does a snake in the grass symbolize? Deception, underhandedness, right? Yep. Snakes always speak of lies and deception, even if it's a white snake. A white snake is a religious lie because it looks good, but it's still a snake. Isn't that interesting? This stuff is fun, all right? What about the expression, he bit off more than he could chew? <laughs> you have a dream that you got too much food in your mouth, and you just chew and chew, and it's like it never seems to get, you can't swallow it. Maybe the, the dream message for you is you've taken on too much responsibility, okay? And then the, the last metaphor I have is, what about nicknames? Maybe when you were a kid, they called you Pumpkin or Peanut or Champ or something like that, that you had dreams about pumpkins or peanuts or champions, you know. And the message has to do with there's something special that relates to what's going on in your life or in your history. Dreams are highly symbolic. By the way, if you, you know, we use an expression... We use an expression in our, in our country. We talk about people that develop a strong friendship, they share a strong opinion, or they go into business together. We use a term, the slang term sometimes, they're in bed together. Isn't that right? Haven't you heard that before? So it doesn't necessarily mean there's something unholy going on. It could just speak of a close relationship. Because remember, dreams are exaggerated. Yeah. So if you dreamed about kissing your brother or something, 
it doesn't mean that you need deliverance, okay? <laughs> it, it probably means there's a close relationship going on there, okay? Um, I know, we've all had those dreams where you woke up and going, Oh, God, I repent, I repent, I repent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. Okay. Um, now, having given you some of these things, the real temptation is to go out and make yourself a long list of symbols. I want to make a long list of symbols. Well, a house means this, a car means this, and this means that. The problem with that is that God is tailoring the dream to you. And there are some things that really mean something to you that really don't mean the same to other people. You know, There are some general principles that you can gain from the Scripture. For example, a house. Right? What does the Bible mean when it says the house of David? It means family, doesn't it? Okay. So one possible meaning of a house is family. It also could mean your personal life. It could mean the house of God, right? So we can't lock things too much in a box. You want to look at what's the message of the dream and begin to dig into the metaphors and the symbolism to get what the hidden meaning is. And sometimes some people get real caught up in the details. Well, it was a yellow cat with a blue dog, and, a, and I was driving a silver vet, and I was. And after a while, God, it's just too y'all. It's too many details. You can lose the message if you get too caught up in the details. If you look at Pharaoh's dream that he had of the seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, you know they really don't talk about anything except the river. And the cows. They don't really talk about anything else in the dream. No doubt, there was probably the sun was shining, there were some birds, there were some trees, there was some whatever, but they don't talk about that because it's not germane to the main message of the dream. Okay? You want to stick to the main thing. Understand the main message. Joseph's brothers had no trouble with what the main message was. They didn't like the message, but they got it, right? Some, if they had meditated on it and thought about it later on, they might not have been so surprised when they realized that Joseph is actually getting our grain to us. You know, he's actually in a governmental position if they had studied the dream a little bit longer. So, folks, we're going to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit's help. You know, you want to take your dreams, your messages, the things you're getting from God, your pictures, and you want to meditate on them and you want to ask God, what is that about? Which is probably the first thing you're doing. What was that about? But then you want to know, okay, what, what seems to be the message of what? What's the overall message? What is God wanting to communicate to me? Now, how do you know if a dream is important? Some dreams are more important than others, right? Would you agree with that? Some things are really important. Others are not. True dreams from God make a strong impression upon you. It just happens like Joseph had to tell somebody his dream about the, the sheaves of grain, all right? Pharaoh had to call in an interpreter about the seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. Nebuchadnezzar had to have an interpretation for the dreams he had. The, the butler, the baker, these things made such an impression upon them, they felt like they had to know what the meaning was. Anytime you've had a dream like that of like, what? You feel like you can't shake it. It stays with you for hours, maybe for days. That's definitely something that needs research. It's something you definitely need to look at. Now, some dreams like that, uh, dreams like that from God, they're usually, they're um, full color. It's like going to the movies, full color dream. You know, you could see all these bright, vivid colors of everything. And, 
and God will show you what he's wanting to do or he'll give you insight into a situation. Now, some dreams that you have are just dreams that tell you about yourself. You have a dream that tells you, you know, it basically tells you, you know, you need to forgive your sister. Or a dream will come up that says, you know what, you need to, you know, quit eating so many donuts. Or there's something <laughs> that is a message, it's conditioned for you, not necessarily it's worldwide changing revelation. So I really believe that for every believer, that after a while, when you start paying attention to dreams, every last one of them is important. Because if it's not a, if it's not a message from God, if it's not a condition of yourself, then it's just a rehearsing of what's going on in your life, the things that are on your mind that maybe aren't resolved, that need to be dealt with. And that's what happens many times with reoccurring dreams. You've had this same dream five times in a row. That means you're not getting it, folks. Once you get the message and resolve the issue, you don't have that dream anymore. You know, I've seen it happen over and over. Somebody has recurring fear. They're afraid of some terrible thing happening. So they've dreamed the same fear over and over and over until they get past the fear, they get over it, they get healed, delivered, some insight, something happens, then they don't have that fear anymore. See, God, many times, he's letting you know what's going on inside of your own soul. Things that maybe you're not even aware of because you've pushed them back. But God knows this is an instance in your life, something that needs to be healed, looked at, or it could be God giving you direction. You keep having dreams about you see yourself in Africa preaching the gospel. Well, I had, you know, I had a lady one time. Now, if it was you, forgive me for giving this because I don't remember who gave me this dream. But sometimes people have these dreams and they ask me what it means. I'm thinking, you don't know. <laughs> I, one time, one time, and maybe they wanted more information. They thought there was more to it. But, you know, sometimes there's not a whole lot. It's one very simple, direct message. One time a lady sent a dream in and she had this vision and she saw the Lord Jesus and he was in all his glory and he looked at her and he said evangelize. She says, what's the meaning? <laughs> How many people could interpret that dream? Okay. I mean, sometimes it's very, very clear, you know. Sometimes it is. Other times it's not. We've had some of our own dreams. We're still figuring out what that thing was about. We still don't know. And some of them are locked away, and God's not going to give you understanding for a long time. But, you know, God loves a puzzle. So a dream from God, that, a dream that's important, is something that we're really curious about. We may have a nagging memory, or it may be a knowing we can't shake. Sometimes somebody will send us a dream they've had five, six, seven, ten years ago. They said, I had this dream ten years ago. I never could figure it out. Could you please tell me what that meant? We had a dream at the forum the other day. We do dream interpretation by email, if, if you didn't know. But we had a dream. A lady said she'd had that, the deer dream. Ten years? Something like that. Somewhere like ten years. Somebody had a dream about they saw a canal and there were 13 deer upside down drowning in the canal. <laughs> okay. And she was like, I do not know what that means. And, and so... Our team looked at that and said, we don't either. <laughs> we, we did work on it for a while. We did get a solution. But it took a little bit. It, it took a little bit because it was so strange, you know. But it, after a while, we were able to, to hammer it out and get her, um, get her a solution. So then when you understand what your dream means, then you are responsible to do something. You know, once you understand what that dream meant, if you get a dream from God and he tells you, it's absolutely imperative that you forgive your sister. 
buddy, you got to forgive your sister. You know, God's going to hold you for that. It, whatever has been revealed by the dream. Sometimes the dream is a call to prayer. It's a call to intercede. It's a call to repent. It's a call to forgive. It's a call to, to be aware that somebody else is hurting and you need to step in there and help them somehow. Sometimes it involves changing your job, changing your school, doing things like that. Um, we want to understand what is the course of action that I should take. So when you understand what your dream means, then go, okay, now what? When Peter had his vision about the sheet with all the animals being lowered down, and when he began to understand, oh, I should not call unclean what God calls clean. Okay, well, that was nice. You know, he had to follow through with that because immediately there were Gentiles saying, you need to come to our house. If Peter had not had the vision, his Jewish upbringing would not have allowed him to do that. So because he had it, he immediately responded yes to their invitation to go because of the dream. There are sometimes God will give you a dream to prepare you for an event just like that. It's just so that you know and you're ready to act on it. Are you hearing what God's saying to you in your dreams? God wants to deepen your spirituality by awakening a desire on the inside of you for his mystery. Inside of us, as I said earlier, there's a desire for, for mystery, for the supernatural, for knowing God. And some of us, we get all nervous about the idea of prophesying or preaching or anything at all like that. But you know what? You can go home. You can be all by yourself. Close your eyes. God can talk to you, give you a dream, and deepen your spirituality. So what we want to do is we want to ask the Lord to give us spiritual dreams that we can meditate on. Spiritual dreams that we can receive some type of meaning from that we can act on. You know, when um, Nebuchadnezzar got his dreams interpreted by Daniel, you know, it was not a good dream. <laughs> it ended up, Nebuchadnezzar did not have, you know, it was not a happy, this is what your future is going to be like kind of a dream. But even though the dream was pretty bad news for him, you know what he said? He said to Daniel, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. You know what? He was able to worship God even though the interpretation was not very good. It was not very profitable in his sight. You know what? When we begin to understand what our dreams mean, it's going to cause more glory to God. You're going to be sitting down when you begin to understand more about how this works. You're going to be sitting down over a cup of coffee and your friend's going to say, I had the craziest dream last night. Tell me that hadn't already happened to you. Somebody, I had the craziest dream last night. As you grow in understanding biblical imagery, symbolism, and have knowledge of the Holy Spirit, knowledge of the Scripture, you're going to find yourself in a position where you'll be able to answer some questions for some folks. Oh, how do you know when the interpretation is right? When the other person goes, oh. Nebuchadnezzar, oh. You know, when they get it. That's something we teach in dream interpretation. The dreamer knows it's right. Many times a dreamer goes, well, how come I didn't see that? Of course that's what it is. I couldn't see it. You know what? Lots of times God wants us dependent upon other people. So he'll give one person a dream, but he wants somebody else to help them understand what the meaning of it is. All right? I want us to pray about this. How many of you think it'd be okay if God gave you a dream tonight?
that would be really spiritual, really supernatural, really, you know, just. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, awesome. Well, let me tell you something. Before you go to bed tonight, no watching horror movies. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You'll wind up dreaming about Freddy or whatever all night. You'll dream about monsters and demons and stuff like that. And people that dream about lots of monsters and demons, I want to know what you're watching on TV. You know, that stuff gets in you. It does. And so, and particularly those of you who are seers, you absolutely cannot afford to watch that stuff. It will contaminate your spirit and screw up your discernment. You cannot watch it. And I'm opposed to those things anyway because they put fear in people. You know, it's always the demon, the monster, the witch, the whatever is always really evil. And if there's a Christian in there, they're, they're Catholic, right? If there's a Christian in there. And, uh, and they're always weak. They don't know anything, you know. They do some weird stuff, but, you know, you know, the bad guy always wins in those things. So there are certain things you can't, you can't watch if you want to hear God in your dreams. There are... What is really nice is if you go to bed with a prayerful attitude or maybe you spend some time reading the scripture before you go to bed and keep a little notebook and an ink pen by your nightstand. And if you've got a little nightlight or a little one of those pens that lights up, you know, so you don't wake your husband or wife or whatever. But as soon as you wake up, go ahead and begin to jot down the dream as much as you can remember. Just go ahead and write it down. Because you say... I'll remember it in the morning. That doesn't happen. It's gone. It was so powerful, so amazing. I'll remember it. No, you won't. No, you won't. We've all done it, and we, we can live to tell you it doesn't work. So go ahead and just jot down whatever you've got. If it Just jot down even the key elements, the key people, the key things that will happen in your dream. And then later... Go over it and then ask God, what was that about? Write it out and begin to look for the message and the symbols and compare it to what you know about Scripture. Compare it to what you know about symbolism. And if you get stuck, send us an email. We'll try to help you out. Sometimes we have emails from people. They'll say, well, here's my dream. This is what I think it means. What do you think? A lot of times they're right. Sometimes they're way off, but sometimes, you know, they're really right. I will tell you that most of your dreams are about you. And if you dream that the pastor was just beating somebody up, it's probably not about the pastor. It's probably about you and your attitude about the pastor. It is. We had a dream not too long ago. Somebody dreamed that the pastor was covering the people in the church with mud and didn't like it. And we're going, weighing this, and decided it was a play on words, mudslinging, mudslinging. The person felt like mudslinging was going on, but it was... The, because dreams are an exaggeration, it wasn't that the pastor was actually trying to tear people down or whatever. It's just that there was some, some, in the context of the dream, there was some remarks and some humor going on that somehow the person was interpreting to be a negative thing and didn't like. So if you have the dream about your husband's cheating on you and your wife is stealing, and it's probably about you. It's probably not about them. Okay. So I always like to say that because every now and then somebody wants to prove their husband or wife or pastor or boss or somebody is a problem, and that's not what it is. It's their attitude about the other person. So let's go ahead. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to give us some dreams, 
some things because you know what? God gives us lots of wisdom in dreams. He'll give you understanding of your life purpose, of your call. He'll show you things to come. He'll give you understanding of situations, wisdom about problems you're facing. Throughout history, God has given inventions through dreams. He handled, wrote the Messiah. He got it in a dream. Elias Howe invented the sewing machine after having it in a dream. There are all kinds of things that God can do through the realm of dreams. Now, nobody's going to activate right now, but we're just going to pray <laughs> and believe God, okay? So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Father God, we are excited that you speak to people in dreams. And God, we want to be fully receiving our spiritual inheritance. We want to understand the language of dreams. So Father God, we ask you, Lord, to speak to us in dreams. That Lord, when we lay our heads down at night, that God, we will have restful sleep, but also God, we will hear communication from you. And I ask you, Father God, to help us understand the imagery, help us understand the metaphors, so we can get the message. For truly, it's your, it's your delight to conceive thing it's our honor to search it out and father I pray Lord that you would unlock hidden mysteries that you would Lord even give us the ability to interpret other people's dreams as we understand our own about this process and father I pray that the spirit of truth will lead us into all truth and father we just thank you for all that you're doing in our midst in Jesus name hallelujah now also just want to just toss out as a little PS God does give many dreams. The devil also gives dreams. We call them nightmares. Just because you dream about something bad happening does not mean it's going to happen. It means the devil would like for it to happen. Big difference. Big difference. So what do you do when you have a nightmare about something bad happening? You get up and you rebuke devils, first of all, for messing with your sleep. That's what I do. Get out of my room, make mess with my dreams. And secondly, just begin to take authority and say, no, it's not going to be like that. I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. And begin to preach and pray and decree the promises of God over that situation. All right? Good for you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www. DestinySpirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church P.O. Box 15858 Chesapeake, Virginia 23328 Thank you.